Good morning, my name is Jarrett Stevens, one of the pastors here at Soul City Church, and it's great to see uh, so many of you here. Well, it's great to see all of you here this morning, but it's great to see so many of all of you here this morning. And um, as you saw in that video, that is our desire, is to keep making room for God to move and for our friends and our neighbors and our own lives to experience that. And so uh, we're just so grateful for you to join with us this morning. We're kicking off a new series this morning called What Are Words For?, We're going to look to God's Word to see how that might shape the words we use and the words we should stop using. And uh, we're going to dive in deep to that. I'll look at several different texts this morning uh, from God's Word. But before we do, uh, we're going to experience something that we always experience here at Soul City Church. It's part of our worship. And we're going to receive an offering here in a minute. And let me just explain to you quickly, if you're a guest here, you're not familiar with why we do this, why this is important to us. This is one of the ways, the many ways that we say thank you to God. This is one of the ways that we worship God is we look at our lives and we look at our stuff and we go, you know, this has to come from somewhere. And I believe it comes from God. And while I may not have all that I want, I have more than what I need. And so this is a way that I say thanks to God. So we do that together. And this time we receive an offering, little blue buckets to go by. But many of us do that online. My wife, Jean, and I do that online because it disciplines us to do it whether we feel like it or not. Because we just believe it's a way for us to surrender the control that our stuff has on our lives. And so this may be the first time you've ever given to church, or this may be the first time you say this morning, you know what, I want to make this a consistent part of my relationship with God or my kind of journey with God. And so we welcome you to do that. You can get signed up online to do that today. But as we receive that offering here in a second, what I want you to do is I want you to think about, since we're talking about words this morning for this whole month, I want you to see if you can guess a number. What I want you to do is when we receive the offering here in a second, I want you to see, I want you to turn the person next to you, make sure you find out their name. And see if you can guess in the average day how many words the average male uses and how many words the average female uses. Now, we're not asking for commentary. We're not asking for you to add more words onto that number. Just what do you think the average guy and the average woman, how many words did they use in the average day, okay? So we're going to receive our offering now. As we do that, please turn to the person next to you. See if you can take a guess. We'll reveal the results in a second. All right. Take about 20 more seconds to finish that up. Again, it's just two numbers that you should have shared. There's a lot of chatter. Just two numbers. That's really all it was. Okay, so we'll start with the guys. We'll start with the guys. Uh, How many of you guessed over a thousand words in a day for guys? Yeah, under? Anyone guess under? Yeah, that's the guys that you know. Uh, Here's the thing. Average guys, best, you know, the the research kind of points to this. Average guy, average day uses 2,000 words. So that may be higher or lower than you thought. That says nothing to the quality of those words. That's just the quantity, okay? Average guy, 2,000 words. The average woman uses 7,000 words. Again, I don't want to get in trouble. These are just the facts. I'm reporting them to you, all right? We use, whether it's 2,000, 7,000, 10,000, we use a lot of words in a day, don't we? We don't even realize how many words we hear and we use in a day. In multiple different forms, we are constantly, there's constantly words, words, words flying in, flying out of our lives, so much so that we rarely pay attention to what they all mean. And not surprisingly, God's word actually has a lot to say about our words, about what we say and what we don't. In fact, what's really interesting, I don't know if you've ever stopped to look at this before, but the words used to describe God are really powerful. The words used to describe the Bible are really powerful. You know, it's interesting, in Genesis 1, The story of creation, how we believe, based on God's word, the story of our existence came into being, 
God spoke. It was a word. God said, let there be light. God said. It's very interesting when you think about the fact that in the very beginning of our story are words, powerful words that literally everything came from, from these words spoken by God. In fact, we're going to be looking at several different verses today through the Bible. This is also referred to as God's what? Word. God's word. This is referred to as God's word. In fact, in God's word, in the gospel of John, John, the beloved disciple of Jesus, is one who is so close to Jesus, in trying to explain who Jesus is, in the first couple lines of John chapter 1, John uses this metaphor. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So here John is referencing back all the way to the beginning of how God spoke creation into existence through words. We're reading from God's word, talking about Jesus, who is a word, and there's a lot of verses that talk about words. We're going to look at a few of those today. I think we need to look at those today. Specifically, we're going to be looking at how our words over the course of this next month can be a tremendous blessing to others, a gift of life to others. And in the same breath, how our words can tear someone down and tear them apart. In our words that we say every day are life and death, blessing and curse. All can come from the same mouth, from the words that we use. Lots of words. This morning we're going to focus on less words. Because smart people, lots of times smart people, we use really big words. And maybe you've been around people like that. Maybe you are someone like that. Smart people tend to use really big words, but wise people use less words. Wise people use less words. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning because we live in a culture where we are overwhelmed with words, way too many words. Not just the ones we speak or hear, but the ones we type every day in and out. So just by show of hands now, right, we're going to do a little technology poll here real quick. And this, is good. this first one should be easy for you. How many of you send at least one email a day? All right. How many of you send one email a day you regret? No, don't raise your hands. Don't raise your hands. All right. How many of you, by show of hands, how many of you text at least once a day? How many of you are texting right now? All right, good. All right, so already, words, words, words. We're constantly sending out words, words, words every day. How many of you, just by show of hands, have a Facebook account? Right, lots of words, lots of updates. How many of you are on Twitter? Just by show of hands. Awesome, great. So less words, only 140 characters, but you, know, you try and pack as much in as you can. There are a lot of shortened words. We're throwing vowels out left and right. Like it's, we're trying to pack as many words as we can in there. How many of you at some level, at some point, whether it's been a while or not, have had a blog at some level? Just turn your blog. Okay, awesome. So you're constantly typing your thoughts, putting your words out there. We are swimming in a sea of words every day, surrounded by them every, every, every day. And there's so much noise and distraction that is going on, and there's such a demand for attention with our words. There's so much going on that we want to be heard, and we want to have our voice contribute, and our words say something into the culture, or into our friendships, or into our relationships. And so what we want to look at this morning is really practical wisdom from God about how to use less words. And I think if we apply this, and I don't think, I know that if we apply this truth to our lives today from God's word, I believe, I believe when it comes to just take the arguments that you and your spouse get in, or you and your significant other get in, I think we apply this practical wisdom from God's word today, I, I bet you could cut those in half. Now, I have no statistical data to back that up <laughs> at all, just my opinion. But I think what we're going to get into this morning can cut those in half. You think about the uh, disputes you get into at work with coworkers or with clients, the way you find yourselves arguing over different things. I think we can cut those in half. 
we apply this wisdom from God's word today? You think about the family feuds that are going on maybe in your family right now, things that have maybe gone on for years, brothers and sisters who don't talk to each other, parents who don't talk to each other, kids who don't talk to their parents. We apply this truth from God's word today, I think it literally just hits pause. It stops that cycle. We apply this truth from God's word today, and it's really, really simple, but it's really hard to do. Very biblical, and at the same time, very practical. And I'm basically going to sum up the whole message in the next 30 seconds. So some of you, this is great. You can write this down and go home. Go to lunch. Go get your chips and dip ready, right? And this is, but here is honestly what I think we're going to look at from God's word today. It's basically this. It's an invitation from God to every single one of us to be quiet and to be quick to listen. If you were to sum up God's teaching and God's truth on how it is that we can use less words in our life, be more wise by using less words, it's this, be quiet and be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. And here's what's so great about God's truth. God's truth is so generous and so good. You don't even have to be a Christian to apply what we're talking about here today. You get to enjoy the benefits of God's teaching without even having to necessarily be in a relationship with him because this is just good, practical stuff that we're going to look at together. But for those of us who are Christians, this is one of those things where God teaches this so clearly and so consistently in his word that it is time for you and your growth and your relationship with him to actually put these words to practice. It's time for us to both do that. So we're going to dive into God's word. If you would, please open to Proverbs 10. 19. Let's not put it up on the screens yet. I just want you to get your thumb there, get your finger ready there. We're going to look at God's idea about silence and what it looks like for us to be quiet. We're going to just be quiet for a second. This is such a rare and foreign concept for our culture. We are constantly so overwhelmed and overloaded with words and words and words and words that, in fact, what's so amazing is last year at Christmas time, there's a group of musicians who are so tired of all of the, the just dribble of pop music just the songs that are written in a factory and produced on a computer and pumped out to the masses, that these artists, as they would call themselves, in England decided they would cover a classic song that had been written 60 years before. And they wanted to release that and see if they could make it all the way to the number one top of the charts. They covered a song written by a composer named John Cage. You might be familiar with his work. And in the 50s, John Cage, who had produced many, many different pieces and his, his work was very, very avant-garde and sought after, produced a piece called 433. And in this piece, what John Cage did is he assembled a whole orchestra, conductor, gathered everyone together to perform this piece. And I actually want to play for you a clip from this piece right now. So I want you to listen to a second for John Cage's 433. So if we're ready, we can go ahead and do that. That's actually it. That really is actually it. That was not a mistake. What he did was he took for four minutes and 33 seconds, gathered an entire orchestra together, got the conductor up front, hits the clock, and they all just stand there in silence. And it was jarring. I mean, people are going, I'm not going to get my money's worth. There's not enough noise. There's not enough noise. And he thought his greatest gift to music would be silence silence. And so these artists last year covered it. They brought all these famous recording artists into the studio. They all gathered them together. They videoed the whole thing, and they would get in the studio, nod, you'd hear the count in, and then they would just stand there and stare. And they released it as a single, which is just so brilliant to me that they would fight and fight and fight to get four minutes and 33 seconds of silence on the air. How powerful that is, how absent that is from our lives. 
And so we see what God gives us thousands of years before John Cage puts it to music is wisdom that I want us to dive into this morning. I want to read to you from the New Living Translation. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of the blue Bibles there in front of you and read along with us. Proverbs 10, 19, we can put it up on the screen, says this, too much talk leads to sin. Amen. Too much talk leads to sin. So God says, be sensible and keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Thus saith the Lord. (laughs) Too much talk leads to sin. Be wise. Smart people use big words and lots of words. Wise people use less words. Be wise. Keep your mouth shut. Be quiet. Because the more and more and more you talk, the more and more you open the door for the possibility to say something stupid something hurtful, something harmful, something sinful, something you'll regret. Be wise. Use less words. Jump ahead to Proverbs 17. Look what else God says here. Proverbs 17, carrying out the same exact thought. Those who have knowledge use words with restraint. Those who are really wise use knowledge or use words with restraint. And those who have understanding are even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent. That's awesome. Even fools are thought wise if they just shut their mouth and keep silent, if they hold their tongues. If you're trying to understand or if you're not understanding what God's trying to say to you, to us this morning through those two verses, let me basically sum it up, and this comes from the very heart of God. I don't want you to miss this. Shh. Thus saith the Lord. For those of you taking notes, shh, be quiet. Too many words leads to sin. And you've seen people do this. The more and more they talk, the more and more they open their mouth, the more and more trouble they get in. We see it all the time in the news. You see politicians, you see artists, celebrities, they say stupid things. We catch it, we hear it, we keep it, and we mark them by it. And people do that with you as well. Too many words, too many opportunities for sin. And I saw this in my marriage. And while my words weren't necessarily sinful, they were very hurtful. A couple years back, Gene um, and I were in the middle of having a conversation. We're at the kitchen table just talking about something. And, and we were going and going. And I was, you know, spouting off because I'm one of those people who likes to talk to think, right? So I just have to keep talking until I can get to my point. And I may have seven or eight points along the way. And so I'm just trying to get it all out. And, and Jeannie finally, and I could see with just hurt and even tears in her eyes, interrupts me and says, you know, do you know do you know how many times you interrupt me when we're talking? Do you, do you have any idea how many times I'm in the middle of a thought and you hop in with your thought? And, you know, obviously I didn't. Because in that moment I thought, oh, no, Jeannie, no, 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 no. I, 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 this is how I process. I like, I'm, I'm so excited about what we're talking about. I just like to hop on and add my two cents. And what she was saying to me in that moment is clearly you think what you have to say is more important than what I have to say. And in all my words, my interrupting and my hopping in, I hurt my wife, the person I love more than anyone else in this world. And I didn't do it in a mean or malicious way. I just did it in a way that was unwise because I wanted to be heard. I wanted to get my word in. And I think many of us have felt that or experienced that. Someone who's either done that to you, someone who's accused you of doing that. Words that you've said about someone else or to someone else that have deeply wounded or hurt them. 
words that have been said about you, that have marked you, maybe even from an early age, or something was said about you, and it literally shaped the trajectory of your life. Wise people use less words, and they're okay to be quiet. They're okay to be silent. They're okay to let others talk. Now, this is not, for those of you who are introverts, this is not finally like God's on my side. This is the message I've been waiting for my whole life. Because listen, you can be just as selfish and self-centered in your introvertedness. You're pulling back from the conversation. It can be just as much about you as the person who keeps interrupting. This is not about that. This is about being wise and being quiet. And since we're on the subject, I want to say something to, certainly not all of you, but to enough of us. Okay, so this next thing is not to all of us, but it's to enough of us. Because we live in a world where we share so much online, because we live in a world now where we live in public, we live in a world now where we say things that don't go away or aren't easily, quickly forgotten. Let me just say a word from God's truth to the context that we live in today. Some of you, certainly not all of you, some of you need to practice the wisdom of silence on Twitter and Facebook. Some of you are saying way too much. Now, some of you, it's just too much, and we're just tired of seeing it. And that's okay. We still love you. But some of you are saying very foolish things online, stupid things online, hurtful and harmful things online. And just because you're at that bar having that drink with that friend doesn't mean we need to know or that we even care. Or just because you think that joke is funny doesn't mean you have to share it with all of us. Or just because you want to tear that politician down in public doesn't mean that I want to participate in that. Or just because you want to say that word and swear online so that it makes you feel cooler, smarter, tougher, and so that everyone might actually respect you more, guess what's happening? We respect you less. Be wise. Use less words. We live in public now. And just because you say less online does not mean people will think less of you. In fact, the opposite is true. The more and more we open our mouths online, the greater the opportunity for people to think less of you. And for those of you who are Christians, the more and more you say, the greater the opportunity that you have to embarrass the reputation of God. And I want to say that specifically, it's not everyone. Some of you are like, I don't even have a Facebook account. That's okay. But you know who you are. And then I'll add lastly, your mom's on Facebook. <laughs> right? So if you don't care about God or his word, your mom's on Facebook. And she's seen all of that with the rest of us. And we're not impressed. You actually have a greater opportunity to earn more respect by saying less. Use less words. What happens when you and I are quiet, when we learn the discipline of just being quiet, when we actually do what the Bible teaches? Here's what happens. Here's what I've seen happen in my own life. You surrender the desire to be heard. And I would even put it this way for some of us. You surrender the demand to be heard. And so oftentimes, that, that's what I was doing with Jeannie. I'm hopping in trying to give my two cents, and I, it's because I want to be heard. It's because I want to be heard. So when I practice the discipline and wisdom of silence and being quiet, I surrender my need to be heard. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, my need to be heard is really just a need for attention. And guess what? My need for attention is ultimately a need for affection. And so when I choose to be quiet, I'm surrendering that, and I'm saying, God, I'm trusting you to meet that need. I will not take that out on others to have them meet that need for me. 
I will be quiet. Or as Psalm 46 or 4610 teaches us, I will be still and know that you are God. I surrender. When I choose to be quiet, I surrender my need to be heard and trust that God will meet that deeper need in a much deeper way. When I choose to be quiet, I'm actually open for the first time to hearing. Crazy how that works. But when I surrender, when I say I'm going to choose to be quiet, now there's actually an opportunity for me to hear you, for me to hear you, for me to engage in conversation with you instead of to fill the space or the awkwardness or the silence with my own words. I can actually hear from you. This is what I believe why Jesus, many, many times the scriptures point to us in the life of Jesus, would in the midst of teaching, in the midst of miracles, in the midst of incredible ministry, would just call time out, walk away, as the text says over and over again, to a quiet and lonely place. That before all the words and the teaching that we base our lives on and this church on, there was quiet, there was stillness so that he could actually hear from God. And so that the words that he offered came from words that he heard. There's a power in the silence if we will discipline ourselves to keep it, to even make it. Being quiet is a very hard, for some of us, a very hard but very necessary first step. But it's not the only step. As you continue, as we continue to grow and transform and be more and more of who God created us to be, we move from the very hard, very difficult silence or discipline of silence to the discipline of listening. So if you would jump all the way to the book of James, you can jump ahead to James chapter 119. So go all the way over to the right into about the middle of the New Testament. We'll put it up on the screens for you as well. It's page 1118 in the Blue Bibles. Listen to what James, the brother of Jesus, the one who would walk away and listen to the Lord and then speak from that place. His brother James writes these words, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be what? Quick to listen and slow to speak. Again, this is generous, generous wisdom of God that you don't even have to be a Christian to apply in your life. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. God is teaching us here and all throughout the scriptures that silence is one thing, but listening is another. Silence is good and is necessary, but listening is better. Silence is the first step. Listening is the next step. Silence is what we do for ourselves, but listening is what we do for each other. Me choosing the discipline of silence is for me and my growth, but me choosing to be quick to listen is for you, and it puts value on you when I'm quick to listen and slow to speak. Have you ever been around someone who's really good at this? You ever had one of those moments like you're in a meeting and everyone's, you know, kicking around ideas and you're working on something and whether it's at work or school or something like that, you're all kind of throwing your ideas in the middle and there's that one person who is just ominously quiet the whole time and, you know, you're kind of looking at them out of the corner of your eye like, is this, who invited this guy? Why is this person here? And everyone's blah, 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 shooting all their ideas out and then finally that person speaks and you can hear a pin drop and the whole room goes, oh, what he said. <laughs> that, that pretty much sums it up. You ever been around those type of people where they don't talk a lot, but when they do, you listen? You ever had one of those people in your life? I have. It was a spiritual mentor that I had in my life. Her name is Cheryl Flesher. So much of the growth God has done in my life over the last 10 years has been directly connected 
to Cheryl and the work that she did with me of listening, being quick to listen. We would gather together for breakfast on Tuesday mornings, and I'd come in because, you know, again, I'm, I talk to things. So I talk, 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 chat, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. And Cheryl would just sit there and listen, listen. And, and then she'd ask a question that cut through everything I just said. I'd go, oh, that's, that's a good question. <laughs> so then that would help to steer my thoughts in the better direction. And she'd ask a follow up question. They're thoughtful intentional questions, not superficial questions. These were deep, thoughtful questions that begin to unearth the truth of my life. I'm so grateful for how quick she was to listen and how consistent she was to listen in my life, to ask me those kinds of questions. So much so that it not only like, I, mean, I just, it was, you know, she's like a sensei. I mean, she's just, I'm talking, I'm going, she's going to ask the question. She's going to, uh, there's the question. She got it. She just did it again. Just did it again. And so much of doing this after several years of meeting with her, that that has become a discipline and a practice that I try to put into every, you know, the small group I'm part of here on Friday mornings. I try as best I can to listen, 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 and ask the right question instead of just needing to be heard. And if we were to meet one-on-one together, if we were to have a conversation, I'm going to do the best I can. I want to listen. I want to ask thoughtful, intentional questions. I want to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Because when we're quick to listen, we are so quick to listen, what it means is that you're choosing in that moment to lay your distractions down. For you to be good at being quick to listen, you lay your distractions down. And so here's what that doesn't look like, and it happens every Sunday in our lobby. And it's okay, right? It's okay. No one's on, like, you're on trial, but this happens every week. It's so loud in our lobby. I feel like someone drops a bus off of people right after church, and they all just talk as loud as possible. So what, it's very distracting, you know, but it's, it's a time where we all stick around, we all have coffee, we connect. And what being quick to listen is not is having a conversation with someone and being constantly distracted by everything and everyone else around you. And you've maybe had this kind of conversation with someone before. It's like, how are you doing? Good. How was your week? Yeah? Good. That's awesome. No, that's cool. He's like, no, school. Yeah, no, school. It works. Oh, you're at work. Okay, this, how's that? It's good? Good? No, we should go to... Just one second. We should totally get together this afternoon. Were you watching the game? Are you good? Oh, all right. Anyway, what's that? How's work? That, I mean, that. <laughs> we do it a lot. Okay, I do it. It's hard, right? And so when I'm choosing to be quick listening, it means I lay my distractions down. I say, no, no, no. Right here, right now. I'm going to make eye contact with you. I'm going to be present with you. You deserve that. I'm going to be present with you right now. It means you lay your need for attention down. Means that you trust that God's going to supply that deeper need, which is ultimately for affection, acceptance, longing, that belonging. That's going to be met by God. So I can lay that down right now and be fully present with you and make you more important than myself. Means you lay your agenda down. That you're not just trying to get through the conversation to get to the thing that you need to ask this person. Basically, can they help you move? Like it's not just that. You're going to be present. You lay your agenda down and be present with that person. Be quick to listen. You lay down superficial questions. That's fine. It's a great place to start. But for many of us, if that's the only place the conversation goes, we're left lacking and longing for more, aren't we? But when those people come along in your life and they ask intentional, meaningful questions and they actually listen to your answer and they remember and they ask you about it next week, those people are valuable in your life, aren't you? Aren't they? That's the type of people God has actually called and invited every one of us to be. It's people who are quick to listen, who as Philippians 2.4 says, that we are more concerned about the needs of the person we're talking to than our own needs. I'm more interested in what's going on in your life right now 
Friends, this is doable. In fact, when we leave here in a little bit, we're going to give you a little card that helps you begin to ask those kinds of questions and begin to practice the discipline of being present. Being present with someone, being quick to listen. When you do, it will open up your understanding. It will actually open up your understanding of this person, their story, where they're coming from. It will open the door to empathy, to where you can actually feel what is going on in this person's life. I mean, when you, when you are quick to listen, it opens the door to actually hearing from God. As someone's sharing, they're, 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 you're talking, you're engaging, you're having a real conversation with them. You're being quick to listen, slow to speak. You open the door to actually hear from the heart of God in that moment, either for this person or for you. It just is hard to do when we're filling the space with words, words, words all the time. And I think if, if we're ever going to become a church that really, truly is transforming and becoming who God has created us to be and has put the church in the world to be, we have to be quick to listen, slow to speak. Because the American church has gained, rightfully so, a reputation over the years of being quick to speak and slow to listen. We are quick to throw our agenda at you and slow to listen to your story. We are quick to fix and give answers without ever listening to your question. We talk a lot in the American church and we listen little. And I think our church, the invitation for our church, is to flip that on its head and be people who are committed to being quiet and quick to listen, to be present with the people that God puts in our lives. So what I want to do is invite the band to come back up, and I want us to think for a second about what that might mean for us. For some of you, if not all of us, it's going to be really difficult to do. It's going to mean breaking some patterns and some things. You said, well, I'm just that type of person. I'm a verbal processor. It's going to mean breaking some of those assumptions about yourself and believing that God is actually can do greater work in you than just what you've always been. For some of you, and I've noticed this throughout the course of the time that I've been preaching, for some of you, there's been a lot of elbows between husbands and wives this morning. A lot of elbows between friends. For some of you, it's going to mean that you actually hear it yourself first and not just get them a copy of this for later. And it means that literally today, and I believe it's because of God's goodness, he's going to give you an opportunity today to be quiet with that person you care about so much and to be quick to listen, to ask better questions. God loves you so much. He's not going to let you go a day without an opportunity to put his truth into practice in your life. For some of us, it's literally going to mean you need to go on a social media fast and you just need to shut up online. And you, need to can- you literally need to cancel your Facebook account, your Twitter account. Just because it's just too easy for you to say too much. We put it on pause for a month. Seriously. Because what God is inviting you and I to be and to be transformed people is to be wise and to use less words, to listen, to be quiet, to be present, to be still. And here's the beautiful thing. That wisdom that we're going to put to work in our lives with each other this week Take that same concept, be quiet, be quick to listen. And imagine how if you applied those to the way that you pray with God, how that might change the way you pray. All right, so everything we've shared right now, you could, like we can all use and put into practice today with each other. But just imagine for a second, imagine for a second, if when you prayed in your relationship with God, you were quick to listen to him, to be quiet and still in his presence, do you think that might change the way that you pray? 
Many of us have things in our lives we need God to, to speak into. We want God's wisdom for our lives. And so you need to know, God, am I supposed to take this job or not? God, am I supposed to move back here or move over there? God, am I supposed to be in this relationship or not? I just need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. And you're so busy talking to God about it that you haven't taken time to actually listen to him. And you wonder why you haven't heard from him. It's not because he's silent or quiet. It's because so oftentimes we're not. So can you imagine in your relationship with God and the way that we pray, if you were to commit yourself to less words, to maybe start a prayer with just four minutes and 33 seconds of silence. Just be still. Know who God is. And he's present with you. He's actually for you. And he is ready to grow you into a wise, transforming person who's quiet and quick to listen. We're going to take a few moments here to do something that I love that we get to do every month together as a church. We're going to spend a few moments reflecting on how this word of God, Jesus, the word, not only became flesh, not only made his dwelling among us, but actually gave his life for us. And Jesus, just hours before he was arrested, falsely tried, accused of crimes he never committed, and ultimately sent to a cross, which was God's plan all along, to pay a debt for our sin, which we could never pay for our own, to be raised by God from the dead, to seal the deal for us to have life with him. Before all of that, he gathered together around a table, his followers and friends, and said, I want you to listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is my body. And he took a piece of bread, a common element from the table. He said, this is my body, and it's going to be broken for you. It's going to be made available to you. This is my blood. And he took wine. He said, this is my blood. This will be poured out freely for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can actually have life in me. It's the only perfect, pure, blameless, sinless blood to ever flow through human veins. And I pour it out for you to cover the debt of your sin. Jesus says, listen to me. I do this for you. I do this to fulfill the plan that God sent me to earth to do. Now you do this in remembrance of me. And what we're going to experience here in just a moment is communion. Here's what's beautiful about it. It doesn't take any words. It's bread a cup. You're going to take the bread which represents Jesus' body, dip it in the cup which represents his blood, and celebrate and remember and be humbled and be silenced and be still over the fact that the God of the universe, the God of the universe, came for you. Not only came for you, died for you. Not only died for you, is offering life to you fully, freely in him. That's what these serve to remind us of. So in a second here, when I'm done praying, I'm going to invite you to come and receive these elements. You just come right up to the front. Let yourself be reminded. Let yourself be humbled. Let yourself be silenced. Let yourself be grateful before the Lord. So you join me in a prayer, and then we'll celebrate communion here together. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you spoke us into existence from words. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the word, the living word. 
Thank you, God, that your word does not return void, that the truth that you're speaking into our lives is actually seeds of transformation that are going into our hearts and will be practiced through our lives this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, that could be the only words we say for the rest of our lives and for all of eternity. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So now we choose to remember, to celebrate, to be humbled by your death, your life, your resurrection. We pray that as this bread is broken, our hearts will be broken open. As this cup was poured out, that our hearts will be poured out before you now, God. And that we would actually hear from you this morning. That we would silence the distractions and business of our lives to hear from you this morning of how much you love us and how much you've done to make that love known to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We receive, we remember, we celebrate now. In your name, amen.